Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey everyone, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to the You Mean a Poltergeist. Today we're brought to you by our fantastic patrons over at www.patreon.com slash you mean a poltergeist. Belinda's enjoying this moment because I just spilt shit absolutely everywhere. <laughs> it just happened all at once. Yeah, it's late and I went to get up and... I had a Pepsi on the nightstand, on the nightstand on the whatever. Both dogs have decided they need to go to the toilet. Wow, what a good time for them to decide this. Okay, quick. Do, do you need a toilet? Break. The dogs are out. They're peeing. Ah, <sighs> what's new, babe? Um, I don't know. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, I cleaned carpets today. Nice for your friend. Yeah, for my friend, she's terminally ill. Um, she physically cannot do things, and her family doesn't help her out. So you went over there and you did the helping out. I went over there. I got there at eleven thirty, and I cleaned her carpets till about four o'clock. Wow, lots of carpet cleaning. You yeah. also did that embroidery for her. Uh, what do you think? I did an embroidery for her. She fucking loved it. Oh she really? Cried. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. She goes, she, this is her word. She goes, you don't even live with me and you have made me something. You've put my favorite colors in it and yet my husband can't even get me a cake on my birthday. <laughs> and then she started crying. Oh, that's and horrible. And I was just like, oh my God, but my present's like a week late. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't cry over lateness. Like, yeah, totally handmade. Thank you. <laughs> but it's late. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I love her so much. So she That's deserves lovely. it. That's lovely. Awesome. Yeah. You put a lot of effort into that embroidery and it yeah. came out looking really good. Yeah. Belinda's... I didn't take any photos of it. Fuck. No. Yeah. Well, Belinda's going to be making some. You mean a poltergeist brand embroidery stuff soon. So keep your yeah, eyes out for if that. You, if you guys want. Keep some... Maybe uh, some exclusives yeah, for the patrons. Sneaky so, exclusives oh. for patrons. Um, Get on over there and become well, one. Um, well, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> you know that noise that Yoshi makes? <laughs> Something when yes. he's like getting the... Eggs? Berries or whatever they are. Are they eggs? I don't know. I thought they're, no, he they're yo- berries. He lays he eggs, them. doesn't he? Is Yoshi yeah, a Yeah, doesn't that when he goes, Yoshi or something? a female or a male? Yoshi's male. No. The green one. Yeah. There's a pink one. I don't think its name's Yoshi. Or is it Yoshi? 
It's uh, Yoshi. Fuck it. No, technically, because it's Japanese, it'd be your... It's Yoshi. Yoshi. Okay, too bad. It's Yoshi. Yo, Yoshi. Yo. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. too tired right now to think so about how to pronounce about, Japanese yeah. words. It's 11... 26 26 p.m. Hey. On a Tuesday night. Oh. Making you feel alright. <laughs> Thanks for that. This is Union Poltergeist Radio coming up <laughs> to you with some <laughs> classic hits. Why are you adding radio to the end of it? Mothman and, <laughs> <laughs> and a Silverton Bridge. That's right. Please Bring sing that song for us, Flinda. French Werewolves of London. French Werewolves of London. Do you want to sing some of these songs if you're announcing that they're going to be playing? Ready? Go. Oh, wow. He's a Mothman man. He was all like, the bitch is going to collapse. But no one is in. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> tired. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, before we continue on with the podcast, this is going to be a very weird place to put in a little uh, shout what out for doing? a friend of mine. Who? <laughs> uh, my friend Adriano has a fun podcast called the Hypotheticals Podcast, where he and his friend Andy do a bit of speculation and pose hypothetical questions to one another and then go on tangents discussing those hypothetical questions. Very fun, uh, very funny. Go and check them out. Nice. Check them out, guys. Anything else fun going on, babe? No. What's new with you? Oh, not a lot. I've just been really sticking to my exercise, my diet. That's about it. My life's been pretty boring. I've successfully hit over two weeks of straight dieting and managing to uh, stick to it every day. I'm enjoying suffering at the hands of this diet. Speaking of dieting, we've gotten invited to a Halloween party. Oh. Tossing up between whether to be sexy priest and sexy nun. Or Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake in Dick in a Box. Yes. Do you all know that? Here, we'll sing a little sample. It's a dick in a box. Dick in a box. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's the uh, sweet sample for you. Ooh. Go and look up dick in a box if you haven't seen it. But Belinda and I were thinking Holy about dick, dick in, in a, a box. box. Anyways, uh, but Belinda and I were thinking of going as Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake from that skit. Yeah. So I would go as um, Justin Timberlake. And I'd be Andy Samberg. Yeah. Because that's how he sings. <laughs> and um, Brayden would be, or either, Brayden be the sexy nun and I'd be the sexy priest. Oh, so. yeah, that's right. If, yeah. yeah. Wait, I'd be the sexy nun. <laughs> I just changed that now. I'm joking. <laughs> I was thinking of going as a pope. As a pope. As the pope, because I guess there is pope. only one. We should get you the bedazzled pope one. Oh, the, the, the mini dress, the, the sexy, the, the sexy pope, the sexy pope mini dress with the bedazzled hat thing. Nice. I feel like they add sexy before anything and just like cut it off at the at the leg. Oh yeah. And then oh, now you yeah. got a sexy costume. Yeah. Sexy Freddy Krueger. It's just time for women to dress up in lingerie and call it an <laughs> outfit, call it a costume. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a sexy. 
red laced bandit. Like, you know <laughs> what? what I mean? Oh, come on. Like, you what know is what a I red laced bandit? I'm just like, it's just an example. She'd probably okay. be wearing like a red laced teddy with like a little, little red masquerade mask on, being like, oh, I'm a bandit. Oh. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm getting at with the, it's just time for women mm. to wear lingerie. And that's why I'm either going to dress up as sexy Justin Timberlake and dig in a box. <laughs> <laughs> or sexy nun. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be sexy regardless. But my, my point was of telling everyone about this was that thinking of getting whatever outfit in a size smaller to motivate myself to lose weight. Nice. But I feel like it would just be a waste of money because <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Oh, you can get it, babe. Uh, we've already planned. Not we, but my brother and I have already planned to have pizza for tomorrow night. Like, ah, okay. So it's going to be tough. And I made pasta bake. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, you know, whatever. Just work it off. Do five hours of dancing. Oh, Molly. Molly's in a play mood. Bit my elbow. Yeah. All right. Do you want to continue on with the stories, babe? Yeah, I go first this week. Okay, go for it. Ow. Sorry. Chill, Phil. Lay down, Molly. Okay. This is the story of Captain Jack Sparrow (laughs) of Maria Jose Ferreira. Oh, Phil. Fer- Ferreira. Ferreira sounds. Ferreira nice. sounds better, like Ferreira share. Yeah. I've completely forgotten everything I've written, so this will be a surprise to you and me. <laughs> nice. During December 1965 in Jabot Brazil. Nice. <laughs> Was 11-year-old Maria Jose and her family. But one day, things suddenly tra- changed. Strange things started happening in their Catholic family home. Oh, no. Oh, no. The crosses begin turning. The activity seemingly started out of the blue when bricks began falling and flying stones materialized in the family home. After a week of the brick attacks and household items being smashed by the falling stones, the family started to realise that something evil was in their presence. The activity grew more sinister and started physically striking out at the family members with the bricks. A neighbour, Joa, Joa, Joa? <laughs> You're pronouncing it like a French person. Volpe, Joa? Like, what do you, I don't know how to speak Portuguese. It, what how does it spell? J O A with the little thing over the top and then O. Oh yeah, good luck. Thank you. Um, Volpe, I think is how you say his last name. Nice. A dentist. Okay. Who had studied psychic matters became interested and visited the house on the twenty first of December. He soon realized that the focus of disturbances was a quiet, pretty 11-year-old girl called Maria, who slept in the servants' quarters. 
Volpe thought he was. Oh, sorry. Volpe thought she was a natural medium and took her into his house to see what he could do. Nothing happened for a few days, but then the bombardments of stones and eggs began appearing from nowhere and flying around the rooms. Eggs. And eggs. Oh. I know. They brought eggs into this. <laughs> I'd much prefer to be hit with an egg than a stone. Right? Like. <laughs> like one, like trick or treat, motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But both are tricks. One's just a more fatal trick. Yeah, one's very fatal. <laughs> Brick or treat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that one. Later, Volpe counted 312 stones that had fallen inside his home since Maria arrived. Not all of these stones were pebbles, as it as is often the case in poltergeist disturbances. One of them weighed 3.7 kilos. Oh, Jesus. On one occasion, a large stone appeared and began descending from the ceiling. It then broke into two pieces about four feet from the ground. When someone picked up the two pieces, they seemed to snap together as if they were magnetically attracted to each other. Maria began to get used to the frenzied activity and was even able to speak was even able to ask the unseen presence for a sweet, a flower, or some other small item, and it would immediately appear at her feet. Wow. One day while Maria was out walking with Volpe and a friend, she remarked that she would like a little brooch. Immediately a brooch appeared at her feet. Soon after, while out in the yard, Maria was showered with sugar apple fruits. The fruit had been in the house inside a bag. The spirits also had a sense of humour. On one occasion, a stone appeared out of thin air, tapped three people lightly on their heads, and fell on the floor. All three said that it was like someone was being hit by a ball of compressed air rather than a stone. Perhaps this partly explains why stones thrown by poltergeists rarely hit or injure people directly. Wow. Because they're covered in air. Well. Surrounded by like an air force. Yeah. That kind of makes sense, yeah? I mean, none of this truly ever makes sense. Let's face the facts. (laughs) We're facing facts right now. Let's face the non-facts. So, but this state of affairs was not to last. For some reason, the poltergeist changed its character and one day began causing mayhem in the house. For almost three weeks, plates, glasses, and even heavy flower vases were thrown around the house in all directions. All the tableware was broken, furniture was thrown about, and pictures were torn from the walls and flung into other rooms. On one occasion, two people witnessed a glass, a glass dish from the kitchen and a mirror from the bedroom cross in mid-air before proceeding to the bedroom and kitchen, respectively. What the fuck? Yeah. They just, like, pass down the hallway, respectively. Hello? Good day. How do you do? Dish? Mirror? (laughs) (laughs) The mirror bows. You just see, yeah, you just see them, like... Oh, you see your reflection, like, bow back at you? Oh. Oh, No. Not good. Not good. No, no, no. Why did you say that? Because that's creepy. Yeah, don't. No. Nah. Your boy's got goosebumps. I don't like this. No, no. Oh, God. Okay. I got her. You got me good, babe. Soon after this, they called upon their local priest to help. He came to the Ferreras' home to investigate. 
He himself witnessed the flying rocks and other objects moving by themselves along with strange noises that came from nowhere but were heard everywhere. He concluded that an exorcism was required to evict the evil within the Ferrera home, to which he soon carried out. However, as we know, not all exorcisms work. Of course. And that was just the case. (laughs) The exorcism didn't outcast the evil spirit, nor did it ease any of the terrifying activity. Instead, the exorcism encouraged the poltergeist even more and things became more aggressive. Then Maria herself became the target for vicious attacks. Oh, no. The poltergeist repeatedly bit her and slapped her on the face or bottom, leaving bruises all over her body. It threw chairs at her, art, a large sofa, and even a gas cylinder, which had been wrenched off the wall. Oh, my God. Apparently, it also attempted to kill her by suffocation while she was asleep by forcing cups or glasses over her mouth and nostrils. What the fuck? Needles were sometimes found stuck deep into the flesh of her left heel, even when she had shoes and socks on. Once, 55 needles had to be removed at the same time. When bandages were put on her heel, they would be torn off without the knots being untied. Things got worse. How do they get worse than that? Right? Needles and ankle? Fuck. That's horrible. The only needle I want in my ankle is a tattoo needle. (laughs) (laughs) On 14th of March, 1966, Maria was eating her school lunch when her clothes suddenly caught fire. What the? Apparently originating from a round scorch mark that looked like it had been caused by a cigar burn. On the same afternoon, the Volpez bedroom burst into flame. Oh my god. So she bursts into flames. Their bedroom bursts into flames. Oh my god. Maria lived with the Volpes for about a year during the phenomena. Abated a little, but never stopped completely for long. Finally, in a last desperate attempt to find a cure, Volpe took her to a spiritist center. While there, a spirit came and spoke through a well respected medium, Chico Xavier, and announced she was a witch. A lot of people suffered, and I died because of her. Now we are making her suffer too. Back at the Volpe's house, uh, there were special prayers and appeals to spirit guides, as well as magnetic passes over Maria's body. And although this prevented any more serious attacks on the girl, it failed to stop poltergeist activity altogether. The stones, fruit, and vegetables still flew around the house when Maria was present. Thinking there was nothing more to be done, the girl was sent back to live with her mother. But there was an unexpected and tragic end to the case. Hello there, just Braden here in the editing room, coming to tell you that if you find a discussion of suicide uh, rather uncomfortable, I'd probably skip ahead until around 19 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, Thank you, enjoy the rest of the episode. One day... In 1970, when she was 15 or 16, Maria committed suicide by following formicide mixed in with a soft drink and died almost instantly. Oh my god. This extremely sad case seems most likely to be either a case of accidental death or perhaps suicide brought on by depression. Maria may have simply taken the poison deliberately and the poltergeist activity originated in her unconscious mind and with no one or nothing else involved. Contemporary reports 
if they are to be believed, would have us believe otherwise, citing that materializations and the other unexplained events which took place in Marie's presence. There is certainly a similarity here with the early 19th century Bellwitch Poltergeist case, mm. where John Bell died seemingly after drinking poison. In that case, the poltergeist known as the Witch apparently celebrated at his death and said it had been responsible for it, though the evidence for this is purely anecdotal and probably fabricated. We never know. Damn. Another point is that it's very rare for poltergeist activity to become a act to become so actively malicious. Usually the poltergeist is characterized by the fact that though it reported to cause serious trouble, more often than not, no one is physically harmed. Mm. When a poltergeist case became violent in the past, it was often termed an incidence of demonic possession. Jesus. As is suggested by the contempt by the spirits of exorcisms. Some have suggested that the spirits, whatever they were and wherever they originated, believe that Maria had been a witch in a former life. This is an extreme and rather silly suggestion and one that is entirely without foundation. It also brings us no closer to understanding what really happened in this tragic case. But all we know is that the activity stopped when Maria died. Oh my gosh. It was after her. Or she was a witch. Or she was just doing everything. Or probably that though. That maybe she was a witch in her previous life. And the spirits had found her new soul, I guess. You know what's just so messed up? Having needles in your heel without knowledge of it. Um, it's a very interesting and sad case. Trigger warning, by the way. Um, I, oh, I keep saying committed suicide. It's died by suicide. Yeah. Fuck. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. It's okay. Um. That's so sad. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of obviously, that struck me in a spot. Moving on. Moving on. Let me let me hear yours. Yours is really creepy, isn't it? Uh, kind of more weird, maybe. Oh, weirdly creepy. Yeah, weirdly creepy. So this is a story that I can guarantee like you've men. never heard. Never? Not just Belinda, but most of you probably have never heard this story. And never. you've never even thought of hearing this story. Like, you know, you can pretty much picture like, ghost stories in your head before they happen. You can't picture this shit in your head. No. This thing is weird. This is, this is nothing? Yeah. Compared to... Anything? Yep. This is a real doozy. So, the entity slash thing things in this story seem to cross the line between, like, cryptid and ghost. But from the general reports that um, I've seen, I kind of think this is some kind of supernatural malevolent entity that sort of uh, acts within a certain area in England. Oh. So, my sources for the story are the BBC... Mysterious Universe, my favourite, and Wikipedia. So. Oh, I didn't cite my sources. It's okay. um, Rancor and these creepy ghost stories or something like that. Nice. Thank you. So, in southwest England, there is this incredibly large region known as Dartmoor National Park in the county of Devon. 
The craggy landscape is defined by forests, rivers, wetlands, and tors, which are like incredibly large, sort of hilly rock formation kind of things. Uh, in this national park, there is an entity that terrorized drivers in the early part of the 20th century. In the lead up to a number of events in the 1920s, the entity was often spoke about with whispers and hushed tones, and the locals did their best to keep God in their hearts as they traversed the roads of Dartmoor National Park between Post Bridge and Two Bridges. Oh, wow. For that entity is known as the Hairy Hands Horror. Hairy Hands Horror? Triple H. The Triple H? <laughs> the Triple H Club? Yep. Wow. Just like the Three wrestler. H Club? Nice. So immediately, babe, I mean, you just heard the name of the entity. What do you think it looks like? I'm picturing just hands, floating hands with long as fuck hair. It's like someone just glued a weave to some hands that are just like walking around having a gay old time, you know what I mean? You're good. That's it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the entity <laughs> Thank you. is rumoured to be a pair of disembodied floating hairy hands. Oh, my God. Like, how hairy, though? Like, wolf hairy. Like, Bigfoot hairy. Oh, Gorilla Bigfoot, hairy. Bigfoot yeah. hairy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Describing mm-hmm. one thing with another imaginary thing. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, hey. Well, we don't hey, know. we yeah. don't know. Don't Calm know. down. Charlie so, Brown. They always would have malicious intent. They would be intelligent. And they'd manifest out of thin air, suddenly grabbing at the steering wheel or handlebars of drivers, trying to peel them off the road and into trees. I've already got a theory. Okay. But um, I think I should wait. Yeah, let's wait. So who or what these hands belong to exactly has never been discovered. So, in June of 1921, the stories of these infamous hands began to sort of come to the public knowledge as two survivors of Triple H openly shared their experience. A prison worker was out on his motorcycle riding down the infamous road, Obviously not taking into the account that it's entering fucking smackdown with Triple H. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this wasn't a lonely ride for this worker, however, as he had a sidecar attached to his motorcycle, within which were his two young daughters. Hmm. So, the girls were suddenly kind of in shock and fear when their father was seemingly starting to lose control and they couldn't understand why. Mm. And instead of him just putting on the brakes, the thing was continuing to move forward, you know. Like, he was unable to stop it. So he was, he was like, looking at Ford, then looking to the young girls and just began screaming for them to jump from the, the motorcycle because he was unable to stop it. Yeah. Um, so scary. the girls managed to actually jump from the motorcycle and he crashed and died. But they survived. Holy shit. Yeah, so the girls ended up going into town and uh, recounted this to the locals and the police. These girls are still alive. Are they alive? No. Probably not. And then the, the rumours... No one lives for 100 years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year we're in, sorry. The uh, rumours then began sort of spreading about the hairy hands and how they must have been responsible for this death, undoubtedly. Um... So, not long after, 
another motorcyclist had come into town, having also been run off the road very close to the location where the father of these young girls had encountered the hairy hands and spoke of the uh, encounters. Uh, So, of course, I know what you're thinking. This guy was probably, you know, a poor driver. He just crashed his motorbike on his own. But reportedly he was a British army captain who was very, very experienced on the motorcycle and taking this route. Uh, And this was the statement that he actually gave after the crash. It was not my fault, believe it or not. Something drove me off the road. A pair of hairy hands closed over top of mine. I've felt them as plainly as I've ever felt anything in life. Large, muscular, hairy hands. Oh, that sounds great. I fought them for all I was worth, but they were too strong for me. They forced the machine into the turf at the edge of the road. And I knew no more till I came to myself lying a few feet away on my face on the turf. How about that? Kashmir how about Kashmir that? Yeah, so... Oh, my God. These hands are just, like, apparating out of the air and just, like, grasping over top of yours and then, like, steering you off the road into, like, your death. Fuck. Creepy, huh? By the way, episode name, Triple H Smackdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... So there were other incidents, obviously, that occurred between this time and the next sort of big recorded encounter with the Triple H. Uh, But those incidents weren't exactly as thorough as the other ones. So um, let's just move on to 1924. Oh, three years. A Devonshire widely respected folklorist was out camping in the National Park, uh, not too far from where all these occurrences had happened, and recounted their tale of the... Uh, their sighting and near close encounter with Triple H. Okay. So they remember looking up from the bed they lay on in their camper van. At the opposite side of their camper van was a window, which they had slightly ajar to allow some breeze coming in. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a man or a woman that is the folklorist, so I'll just use they. Um, They is very good. But, yeah, they were looking just sort of like relaxing. And they noticed something on the window. And crawling up from the bottom of the window, making its way slowly up towards the top of the opening, was a hairy hand working its way up the glass slowly like a spider. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Yeah, they looked in horror as that disembodied hand was making its way for the fucking... The... Are you Okay. <laughs> I was looking in horror. Okay. (laughs) Make its way towards that opening. Um, They recount that they immediately felt a sense of dread wash over them, and they got the feeling that if they were to let this hand enter the cabin itself, they would be unable to do anything to it and be powerless, and it would kill them, strangle them. Whatever the entity was that these hands belonged to wanted them dead for staying in the park. Uh, so obviously, believing there was nothing that they could do to physically stop the hand, um, they began praying. They closed their eyes and began praying for protection. And as they opened their eyes again, the thing was crawling back down the window on the other side, making its way away from them. And uh, yeah, they managed to actually stop the hands from entering. And they felt um, 
a sort of lightness wash over them and they knew that the hands had retreated from them, fearing the presence of God. Oh. Yeah. In saying that, however, they did remain in the area camping for like a month afterward and the uh, folklorist was terrified to even leave the sort of exterior of the campsite and the uh, sort of protection of the caravan as they knew that if they were to stow too far away after they've prayed this protection over the caravan, that they would undoubtedly be taken by the hands. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, yeah. the amount of times I've gone, oh, might be taken by the hands. <laughs> uh, there was another reported encounter by a supernatural book author named Michael Williams. And I know you're probably a bit skeptical because he's a book author about skeptical about sorry about uh, horror stuff. Mm. I think it was about actually like Devonshire horror stories and things like that. Mm. So people were like, "Oh, you made it up." But he actually worried that posting the story would look like he was trying to sort of gain fame and fortune from this this tale. So he requested that the story be released to the public after his death, so he could not make any money from it whatsoever. Wow. So, yeah, so this came out after his death. When did he die? Uh, it's uh, it's un-sort of dated, like, the, like early 1900s. Okay. Um, so his name was Michael, and he experienced a encounter with the fable, fabled furry phalanges known <laughs> as the Hairy Hands Horror. <laughs> fabled furry phalanges is another great episode name. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Fable furry phalanges, fable furry flange, flavor flammery <laughs> It was close enough. Yeah, um, I think it did. So Very reportedly, well. he was driving down the same road that all of these encounters had happened upon, and suddenly, apparating out of nowhere, these hairy hands appeared, began violently grasping and thrashing at the steering wheel of his truck Jesus. in an attempt to run him off the road. Fortunately for Michael, he was the only one from these stories who actually managed to wrestle control of the vehicle back from the hands. Oh. And then, then the yeah, though being defeated, they disappeared immediately. Go, That's Michael. Insane. So, yeah. What do you think of the hairy hands horror? Oh, my God. That's creepy, though. It is kind of creepy. It's like weird Just, and creepy. Like, how is that a thing? Right, just a pair of hands. Has there been any like modern accounts? No, not that I could see. It was a lot of like early nineteen twenties. Mm. Yeah. My theory. Go for it. Is that it's actually an alien? Okay. And the alien can like be invisible, and like the alien can also like morph into other things or like animals and stuff. And my theory is it just couldn't quite get how to morph into a human. So it's like so stuck it in just the barefoot to do hands the hands. <laughs> it could only do the hands. Mm. Like extremely hairy hands. I've, and then like its plan of attack was like, I've got to get out of here. Mm. I don't know. I, I, could, I can't just walk around. You know what I mean? I've got to like get someone's vehicle up. They died. Oh, and then get, get I think out. then it turned into like a serial killer alien that tried to morph oh, into good. a human. That's a fun and I theory. think I think eventually it probably did morph into a human if there hasn't been any recent accounts. And now it's living among us. And that lives among us. Triple H is among us. And then you just see my <laughs> eyelids just 
blink from the sides. Oh no. <laughs> Your hands just start getting hairy. <laughs> I turn grey. Trying to think of Triple H's theme song from WWE, but I can't. I can only think of John Cena. Time to play the game. I think that's it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Insane, dude. Yeah, it does seem to say that these hands, when they are kind of, like, seen together, they are operating as if, like, they're coming from someone's body. Like, they're not moving, like, a certain distance apart. They're not, like, running in different directions. Like, they're a person's hands. Yeah, exactly. So there's, like, an entity behind it. What if the entity entity is, like, the thing before Homo sapien? Oh, oh, some kind of and it's like Homo erectus sort of yeah, and it's like you fucking weird human people. Come what on. are these machines that you're driving? Get this off the. Uh... I feel like that would make sense. It'd be like, ah, oh, what is this? You'd be so angered and angry and confused. Mm. I got Homo erectus right. That is the right name. Good job, babe. Very I know, good. I don't know how I did it. That was amazing. Thanks. That's amazing. That's the th- highlight of this pod. You got that right. Yeah. Bloody solid effort, dude. Thanks, babe. Great. Um, I think that might be all I have. That's all I've got. Okay, well, fantastic. Should we go to bed? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm already in bed. Yeah, you are. Well, I haven't moved from this bed since, like, ah. 7.30. Nice. <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening in. Thanks for listening. And if you're wondering, like, where you could find us on, like, everything, just go to youmeetapodcast.com. There we go. There we go. All links there. All the links are there. Make sure you leave us reviews so we can read them out if we've got any new ones. Hell yeah. And, um... Don't forget. Exercise regularly. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 